Welcome to the Imperfect Church Podcast, a podcast for the imperfect church and the imperfect pastors that lead them. I'm Ryan Reed. And I'm John Mark. And this is the Imperfect Church Podcast. Ryan, the uh, interviews just keep getting better and better. Better and better. Yeah. Better and better and sweeter and sweeter, huh? <laughs> That's right. And we're uh, finishing uh, this evening with uh, Dr. Jim Shaddix, who uh, most of our listeners, of course, will will know Dr. Shaddix and uh, have experience in his writings or uh, maybe even in a seminary classroom experience mm-hmm. or uh, certainly if uh, probably heard him uh, preach the word. And so, Dr. Shaddix, we're glad that you're here with us today. We appreciate you giving us some time and uh, just to hear your heart. Uh, brothers, thank you very much. It's a joy to be with you and uh, glad to know about the, the ministry uh, that you guys are doing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, thank you. Thank you. We uh, we know there are two areas that kind of look like that's your, your passion, and it seems to be uh, raising up young leaders, mm-hmm. one, and uh, and preaching the Word of God, too. And so we want to spend some time, and you may have more passions. You can share that with you us. You may like you bass fishing. We yeah, that's know. right. Yeah, that's <laughs> fine. Uh, talk Alabama football. Oh, oh we, cut it off. We had to, yeah. <laughs> well, if we had known that before. Yeah, huh? that's right. Shouldn't have said that. <laughs> so are you an Alabama boy? Uh, you know, I wasn't born there. Uh, have roots in the state, went to college in the state, uh, really all my spiritual roots. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, you know, I was born in Texas, probably okay. the only person from Texas <laughs> that doesn't t- claim Texas. Yeah, home. I, guess I, I claim yeah. Alabama. So, so. There you go. That's great. Well, good. Well, they're, uh, they're our, the twin of our state, of course. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we'll give a little grace to them. <laughs> That's good. Uh, so, uh, we, we want to begin, if we could, uh, just kind of talking about your experiences at the seminary. You know, you, you get to see, uh, young lives. You could see young guys that are coming through and uh, training for the ministry, and uh, and I, I, I hope that you are encouraged <laughs> by what you see in those young guys. But uh, but just some some thoughts about the guys that are coming through seminary and uh, their preparation for the work that's ahead. Yeah, I am greatly encouraged, you know, by God's grace and, a, uh, you know, a new generation. We've definitely got some challenges mm-hmm. and everybody knows the statistics of right. not only the number of guys that are walking away, but, uh, the aging of the pastorate as yeah, well, yeah. you know, which indicates there have been fewer younger guys that are standing up saying, I'll, you know, mm-hmm. I'll respond to this call. Yeah. I don't think God's calling fewer guys to the yeah. pastorate, but mm-hmm. we have been in a season where I think fewer have been responding wow. uh, to that call. I think that's changing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're seeing more and more grateful for the emphases in a number of our seminaries mm-hmm. that are putting more focus on that to say, we want to train pastors if we don't yeah. do anything else. Right. You know? And so I think that, uh, you know, that is helping as well. So we are seeing, uh, uh, you know, a generation of young uh, brothers that are coming saying, I want to be a pastor. I want to preach God's word and mm-hmm. shepherd God's mm-hmm. people through it. I think one of the things that, uh, really two things come to mind that, that encourage me most about uh, this generation is they're not impressed with um, – with bigness and I don't yeah. mean you know they don't want to pastor a big church or not willing to mm-hmm. they just you know the the institutional trappings that come along with climbing a denominational ladder mm-hmm. or having to pastor the largest church you know yeah. the mm-hmm. county seat town uh, they don't they don't come with that you know they're yeah. not impressed with it and and so that um, opens a whole lot more doors of yeah. yieldedness I think yeah. uh, to respond to God's call and and I think another thing that I see that I'm just so, so excited about is they've got a global perspective, you know. And Mm -hmm. so uh, guys that we're having the opportunity to rub shoulders with now, uh, you know, are saying, okay, if God calls me to – 
you know, to rural Mississippi. Right. I'll go right. if he calls me to Saudi Arabia or to a clo- you know wow, closed yeah. country. Yeah. I, I'm willing to go. Yeah. Uh, and they see the responsibility to advance the gospel uh, among the nations. Mm-hmm. And 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 what that one thing that does is even if a guy stays, you know, here. Uh, he sees himself as a mobilizer, mm-hmm. and so yeah. we're we're really seeing some young guys that really, really are catching a vision for uh, more than preaching in the pastorate, which yeah. I think is huge, is mm-hmm. a huge part of it. But but seeing the global responsibility, whether it be going themselves or mm-hmm. mobilizing their people to go, so, yeah, yeah. And we ju- we just talked with Brian Croft, of course, and and uh, he has a practical shepherding, a ministry where he pours into young pastors to try to prepare them for the practical aspects of ministry and he said some of the very same things yeah. that you said as he yeah. as he looks to young guys he sees guys that uh, they're investing their lives in in a people group and that people group may be a rural town in Mississippi mm-hmm. or that people group yeah. may be a group of people in Saudi Arabia yeah. Yeah. right but they're investing in that staying too yeah. longevity mm-hmm. right right which is huge I, is. you know I'm, I'm glad you said that because you're you're exactly right there are uh, you know, if I if I were writing the script of my own ministry, mm. I, I, I and I know God calls you know us sometimes to different ministries. That's been yeah. the case in my life, so I don't I don't think I've been disobedient at any point. But if I was just writing the script, mm-hmm. that's what I would have loved to have done. Right? Yeah. You know, is to have just gone to a church and spent my entire yeah. ministry there. I, mm-hmm. I'm jealous of those guys <laughs> yeah. that have done that and excited for this generation of guys who are saying, that's what I want to do. Yeah, yeah. So, That's yeah. good. And, uh, you know, you, you spent uh, time in our seminaries. You're currently at Southeastern. And before that, you were at New Orleans. And uh, we are New Orleans graduates ourselves. Are. And uh, and uh, some of us hold two degrees from New Orleans. <laughs> yeah. One I earned. Do, you don't. One earned and one sent <laughs> on accident. So, uh, yeah. uh but uh, yeah, they sent my I'll sent my degree to the wrong degree. Story, they, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they uh, New Orleans sent me the wrong uh, wrong degree, and then when, then they sent me the new one. They so didn't he hangs both of them up on his wall. Earned one. That's right. I earned one of them. Right. It'd have been so, cool to to, for, to get one in the yeah, mail. Just show up one right? day. I thought it was a kind of a buy one get one free. Is what they had. So uh, no, but you've been in, you've been in seminary education for a few years, yeah. and you've been able to see some trends and some fads and whatnot. And so uh, we just kind of want to uh, kind of uh, get. Pick your brain on on uh, what's going on in our seminaries. How is how is education changing? How is it changing for the better? What are maybe some pitfalls we need to look out for? I know that's a loaded question, but uh, what you got? <laughs> well, obviously, the first thing that comes uh, to mind is is how technology has changed mm-hmm. yeah. um, education in general, and certainly mm-hmm. in theological right. education. <laughs> And you know that's uh, that's the best of times. Makes it puts us in the best of times, the worst of times, right? Because Mm -hmm. there's so many opportunities we have to uh, make education accessible to people who may not have otherwise had it. And I'm so grateful, you know, to God for that, and glad to see that. Mm -hmm. Uh, All I think all of our schools are putting. you know, a lot of eggs in the basket mm-hmm. of theological education. We, you know, we tell, uh, you know, guys uh, that are coming, you know, say to do a PhD in preaching, you know, to, uh, we tell them don't, don't set your sights on a job like mine. Mm. Yeah. 
you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a campus-based uh, professor, and, you know, that's yeah. where I teach classes and stuff. And But we're, you know, we're letting them know those jobs are fewer and farther between yeah, yeah. and probably going to become more so, you know, as time goes on. That doesn't make... Uh, the degree irrelevant for a guy who would like to do some teaching and that's where some of the positive thing comes in we're seeing so many cool things with regard to partnerships between seminaries and local churches and i'm not just talking about churches you know hosting an extension right i'm talking about developing training programs where they, uh, you know, qualified pastors mm-hmm. uh, are, or other leaders are mm-hmm. able to teach courses yeah. for credit, you yeah. know, that, that, that students can take for credit through an institution. We do mm-hmm. this at Southeastern. I know some of our other schools are doing it. Uh, and that, that way a guy gets to be a pastor, mm-hmm. but yeah, he also yeah. gets to use his passion for teaching. But he gets to do it right in his local church yeah. and train leaders and, you know, for the next generation, but also train leaders for his church. Yeah. And that, yeah. is, that is so, so cool, so, yeah. you know, to be able to see. So, you know, that that's, you know, I guess, a you know, a, a, a challenging thing, but something that's very positive, you know, mm-hmm. that is coming out of our, you know, number of things that are very positive. I, I, you know, if I'm completely honest, um, I, I will say I do think there's something that's lost, um, mm-hmm. you know, when when we're not in the same right. room face to face. I know we can be face to face through media. We do a lot <laughs> right. of that, uh, but I just I, call me old fashioned. Yeah, no, but call I me just like too. Yeah. the life on life, yeah, you know, right. that happens. And so, I'm still a big fan, you know, for any time, um, you know, a student is able you know to to have that experience and yeah. make whatever sacrifices they need to make to get in that mm-hmm. experience i just think there's something that you know we would we we can have That's that we right. wouldn't otherwise have and that probably leads me to you know another thing that i see that i'm so excited about and that is just a greater emphasis on uh, mentoring mm-hmm. that is going on between faculty members and and students, mm-hmm. um, investing in students right. offline, mm-hmm. you know, if you will, outside the classroom, yeah. uh, seeing this more than an academic uh, yeah. journey. Yeah. That's good. Uh, but, you know, part of the disciple-making process, sure. the leadership training process, but also just the life process, mm-hmm. you know. I yeah. think all of us know when we went to seminary, we didn't – we didn't have it all together. We still yeah. had a lot of growing together, just like we still do that's now, right. you know. Yeah. But uh, you know, so that that's really. Neat. In fact, I, I that's what led me to theological education. I didn't go uh, because I love academia. Because mm. I don't. I, it's one of the things that surprises my students is when I tell them <laughs> I don't even like to read. You know, I, I have to make myself do it yeah. because yeah. It's, it's good for me. And right, it's, yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah. right. Yeah. But it doesn't come easy, you know. Yeah. So I, I didn't go because of the academic. I just wanted to be where there were young leaders yeah. in training, yeah. and that seemed like that was a, a right place to do that. Yeah. And uh, God in his grace has just given me an opportunity to to be a part of that right. and to see that uh, become, continue to grow as a value mm-hmm. among uh, you know faculty members across the board, not just at our school, but yeah. I know other schools, and just really, really seeing that that need that that's a that's a trend. I hope it's not yeah. a trend, but it's something we're seeing in theological education. I don't know had has always been there, at least right. to that degree. And I think all of us have been encouraged by you know seeing this 
your investment beyond the classroom yeah. in people mm-hmm. like David Platt, then David Platt mimicking that also in people's lives like Robbie Gallaty. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. we kind of see this, hey, he was a seminary professor, but he also was a mentor or disciple mm-hmm. maker. And uh, and I think we're even reaping some of the benefits of beyond the classroom. Right. <laughs> you know, and, I, and, and, and it's encouraging for us, I think, because mm-hmm. this model – that's played out in scripture, I understand, but it's also was played out by you and is still, I'm certain, is exactly the model that ought to be played out by us in the church mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. And so uh, we, we, I think we've been encouraged by just what you're talking about. Yeah, that's well, good. That's, that's an encouragement to me. You know, I'm always quick to tell people I'm not the only one that, you know, that invested in some of those guys. Right, a yeah. lot of people that logged into their <laughs> lives and, yeah. and I, I just – you know, I've had the opportunity to be a part of some students' lives in a small way and mm-hmm. uh, grateful for that. Uh, iron sharpens iron. Yeah. I've learned as much and grown as much, which is one of the cool things about mm. mentoring and disciple making. It's always a mutual benefit. Sure, so. sure. Yeah, that's good. good. And, uh, you know, I think about uh, when I was in, in seminary, uh, took a, took my preaching class, and of course, the standard textbook that I get is uh, uh, Power in Preaching which has just been updated this year, and uh, what a great book on expository preaching, you and uh, Dr. Vines coming together. And uh, and so preaching is kind of your other your other wing that, that we that we know you about. And so, uh, um, you know, we want to kind of begin our talk about preaching using our Dead Man Talking. And so uh, this week's Dead Man Talking comes from uh, John Stott, and it's kind of a, a two-for-one as well because John Stott is going to quote Spurgeon. And so if we can get John Stott quoting Spurgeon as well, we're going to do that. So um, Two-for-one. That's right, two-for-one. So John Stott says in his book, Book, uh, the Preacher's Portrait. He says, Expository preaching is the most exacting discipline. Perhaps that is why it is so rare. Only those who will undertake it who are the only those that will undertake it are those who are prepared to follow the example of the apostles and say, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. We will devote ourselves to the prayer and to the ministry of the word. The systematic preaching of the word is impossible without the systematic study of it. And then Spurgeon says, he quotes Spurgeon, he says, It is blessed uh, to eat into the very soul of the Bible until at last you come to talk in scriptural language and your spirit is flavored with the words of the Lord mm. so that your blood is bibline mm. and the very essence of the Bible flows from you. Mm. Yeah. It's hard to beat that, huh? It's hard to top that. We're, we're going to take 30 minutes of silence. That's right. That's right. Moment of silence. So. Uh, but, yeah, you know, the, so um, John had found a quote of yours, and um, I hope it's kind of like, you know, sometimes I'll have my church members that say, Pastor, when you said this, and they repeat it back to me, and I think, I didn't say that. Yeah. Uh, so maybe it's not going to be like that. Yeah. But, yeah, we're moving past the dead men talking. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. But it, but it, 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 you know, talks about the importance of preaching, and uh, and this is a quote apparently from you that says, uh, "Preaching is not the only thing pastors do, but it better be the first thing that they do." Did you say that? I I, I did. <laughs> I, I, I do. I say it a lot. Yeah, you know, was, yeah. Now, whether there was somebody that said yeah, I got it before you, me, yeah, that's right. I don't no know. Original that's thought, probably yeah. so. You know, so. Yeah. So yeah. this idea of uh, of preaching and particularly expository preaching, right. you know, it's one of those things that you said. Uh, you were you were glad to be a, a revitalization, I guess, of it inside the church. And so, uh, beyond beyond the picture of the New Testament and your belief that this is what the way it ought to be for the for the man in the pulpit, why is expository preacher preaching necessary? I think that uh, spiritual transformation. 
Uh, and, and when I say that, I mean being transformed into the image of Jesus Christ, which mm-hmm. I think is, I think that's the big picture. Yeah, that's the goal. We're being yeah. recreated. I think that happens through only through the life-giving Word of God. Mm. So when God speaks um, and we hear His voice, then and we we not only hear it but we receive it we embrace it mm. and we say yet yeah, we yield to it yeah that's when spiritual transformation mm. takes place and so consequently uh, it is a non-negotiable that yeah. people hear the voice of god yeah and i believe i know you brothers believe that uh, uh, you know the bible is the word of god sure. this is where he has recorded his voice mm-hmm that we might not miss it, have it in print, there it is in mm-hmm. black and white and red, and for generations be able to to hear his voice that is necessary for our recreation into yeah. Christ Jesus. And so if that's true, and, and Scripture is really sufficient for that, mm-hmm. and the voice of God is embedded in every text mm-hmm. of Scripture, mm-hmm. then it's my responsibility as a pastor to expose yeah. that voice for mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. you know, to hear. So we're not talking about a sermon form. Yeah, uh, right. We're not talking of, you know, about this style versus you know, topical or narrative or textual when, mm-hmm. when we— when, when we talk about expository, we're talking about a process, and you know yeah. what what Stott said about mm-hmm. the systematic process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, systematic exposition is based upon a systematic process. You know, we've got a responsibility to find the voice of God mm-hmm. ourselves yeah. Yeah. as yeah. preachers, yeah. hear it, so that we know what to expose to people. Sure. You, know, you you can't stand up and say, "Thus saith the Lord," if you don't know what the Lord <laughs> yeah. is saying. Yeah. Yeah. But when you study the text of Scripture mm-hmm. and you interpret it rightly, uh, you get to encounter the voice of God mm-hmm. yourself, yeah, which yeah. is the starting place, and be transformed. But then to to peel back the layers, uh, mm. to expose that that voice to you mm. know the, your congregants and the people of God that they yeah. might be recreated into the image of God. So. Yeah. Man, that's, that's, that's probably more than you wanted. No, that's but, uh, great. Isn't that good, though? Yeah. I mean, for guys like us who kind of nerd out when we start talking about preaching because yeah. we love to do it so much. Yeah. <laughs> we, love, we love that experience of of God speaking to us during the week yeah. in preparation. Yeah. And we love standing before our people yeah. and and exposing to them what God has first exposed right. to us. Yeah. You know, it, it it's just worth getting excited about. That's right. Well, Ezra, you know, I, I love the pattern in Ezra seven ten mm-hmm. about you know he yeah. he studied the law of the yep. Lord and he did it, mm-hmm. and then he taught his statutes and rules That's in right. Israel. And yeah. that is a really really good reminder. You know, we go to God's word not first to get a sermon. Mm. We go to know God more ourselves yeah. here and be changed. But then we have the privilege and responsibility yeah. of passing that along. That's yeah. right. We lo- I love that. And, and we've mentioned before in this podcast, I think one of our dead man talking was from the second Helvetic Confession where the preached word is the word. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that is, that's such an important concept that we need to make sure that when we are preaching the word of God, we are exposing it. We're right. not. We're not called to uh, make up something. Uh, we're not. You know, I, I talked to a, um, a 
my father-in-law was in the hospital and I talked to a nurse and she was, she knew that I was a preacher and she was, and she said, I'm just so amazed that you come up with something every week to preach. And I said, well, you know, the Bible's pretty big you know? <laughs> uh, and, and that's the idea, yeah. but we don't have to come up with anything. That's right. God has right. given yeah. it to us. Yeah. All we have to do is rightly divide it and give it to our people. Yeah. And that is, that, that is work worth doing. That's yeah, right. it is exactly a right. great yeah. task, but man, what a great blessing. Mm-hmm. Right. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we uh, we appreciate your time, brother, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna end here by asking you to share with us some things that you're studying, maybe maybe some things that you are uh, preaching through, working on, and uh, which wherever wherever you want to take the conversation to end us. Uh, well, I'm just I just finished up. I'm, I'm finishing up an interim pastorate. Okay, I'm yeah. About to start another one out, but finish it up next week. And I, one of the richest studies I've ever done, I just finished in. Uh, uh, some of the selected psalms uh, mm. and some of the ones that are most ignored mm. uh, and uh, some of the, the imprecatory psalms yeah. you know, yeah. that we sometimes don't know what to do with and <laughs> everything. But I just did entitled the series The Earthiness of Prayer because mm. I just they see so much about just a father-child relationship mm. and the way the psalmist uh, talk to God mm-hmm. uh, and uh, the things that He said to God. That sometimes yeah. I'm, I think, oh, that's not reverent, or right, right. Right. He just had an earthy relate. Yeah. And, and these were passages I had not studied before, mm-hmm. and and so they were ground up stuff. And mm-hmm. God just really ministered to my heart, and it was just fresh preaching, yeah, you know, for mm-hmm. me. Um, and so that that's kind of a recent study coming out of mm-hmm. because I'm in this transition preaching wise. I haven't settled on exactly where I'm going. Yeah, right. yeah. Uh, I think I think I know, but I, I don't know for sure. Um, it, just I want to get my feet on the ground in this new ministry, see how you know what this congregation needs to hear from right. God. Right. You know what part of His Word, uh, you know, would be most potent for them. Uh, reading wise, um, <laughs> so you have to make yeah, yourself do it. Yes, yes, <laughs> so what are you forcing yeah. yourself to read? That's, <laughs> so I'm really, really uh, just trying to lean deeper into a subject that has uh, been very, very important, you know, for me. And that is the, the, the spiritual dynamic of the preaching event and mm-hmm. the anointing. Yeah. I, I've always been helped by Ian e. Bounds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But leaning into influences on Bounds, people he influenced, what his theology yeah. really mm-hmm. was, has kind of led down a trail to look at some connections between him and Lloyd-Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so uh, getting into Lloyd-Jones's doctrine of the Holy Spirit is really interesting. Yeah, uh-huh. So long story, uh, Joy Unspeakable mm-hmm. by Lloyd-Jones, and then Tony Sargent's book, The Sacred Anointing. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. He wrote that. It was kind of a biography yeah. on Jones, Jones, but really an emphasis mm-hmm. on his understanding of the unction yeah. of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So uh, um, just getting into those, very excited yeah. about Yeah, that. I really, uh, um, when I was uh, in preaching class, another book that we had to read uh, uh, along those same lines was, uh, I think, Greg Heisler. Heisler. Yeah. yeah, Spirit-Led Spirit Preaching. Led preaching. Man, I, that was one of my favorite ones because it's such a, it's an emphasis we don't talk about right. a lot. Sometimes yeah. we're afraid to talk about the unction. Yeah. You know, uh, I think that's what Spurgeon called it, the, that unction, you know. Yeah. And, uh, to pray for it and to see it, and man, that is that—that's interesting. And that book has just been revised. By really, the way. okay. Yeah, really, yeah. It's got a new chapter in it. How about so, that? Yeah. That's mm-hmm. right. I have to look into that. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, I know what to do with imprecatory psalms. I pray them over Alabama football <laughs> all day. I pray them. So, uh, that's that's what you do with it. <laughs> that's good. That's a great one. I, I don't remember making that application in my sermon, right. but I'm I'll, sure you I'll, did. I'm, I'm sure you did. That's right. Uh, well, John, are you reading anything? 
Uh, yes, I am. As a matter of fact, what are you forcing yourself we, to read? We've done this three times today, and I told him, I didn't don't ask, ask me two three times. times what I've read because I'm going to have to make something up eventually. <laughs> uh, right. So I, I'm reading the uh, the what's it called? I don't know. Oh, the yeah. secular. Uh, oh, you're talking about uh, uh, Mark Knowles' book, Mark Knowles the Scandal book, of the Evangelical Scandal Mind. Scandal of the Evangelical Mind. I can never remember the title of that book. Well, that's because you hadn't started reading it. John. I have started reading it. You're telling me, that is an interesting book, The Scandal of the Evangelical Mind. And it's, it is, it's about uh, believers, Christians, I should say, uh, lack of willingness to use their minds in col- as they as they encounter culture mm-hmm. and uh, especially where we are today, it is. I I think it is so applicable to uh, to Christianity mm-hmm. in our world today. Yeah. Uh, we 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 it's time that we start engaging our minds mm-hmm. and apologetically, yeah. you know, and and along with our convictions. And so that's a really good book. I would encourage I would encourage others to read it. Yeah, as I'm well. gonna, I'm going to pick that up eventually. Yeah, for our learning that, group. Yeah, um, our Oprah book. I need club. To, I need to read that for the Oprah's book club. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I'm I'm actually you know John I'm I read a few books for you. Um, oh, yeah. I just finished reading "Tis the Season." I read uh, Rom Stoker's, Stoker's "Dracula." Never read oh, it. Oh my goodness! So I thought, hey, why not pick it up, right? <laughs> uh, and hey, I was I was surprised that I, it was a classic for a reason. I enjoyed it. Oh yeah. Um, oh, and then and theologically, I mentioned uh, last episode. I'm, I'm reading a, a biography on William Cooper, mm-hmm. uh, the hymn writer, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I'm I'm just just kind of dipping my toe into that. And then every year, once a year, I read uh, C.S. Lewis's uh, Space Trilogy. And so I just finished the first one, and I'm starting the second one. I love it. I, it's just a great trilogy. And, John, you ought to take up and read. Yeah. Don't shake your head at me. This take guy. up and read. <laughs> <laughs> this um, guy. Yeah. I'm glad you didn't ask that question yeah. three times today. Yeah. <laughs> you guys read a lot. The book list gets weird, weirder than that. <laughs> I, yeah, I just I like reading. I he like does. finding out things. And, uh, yeah, and then yeah, I like, yeah. you know. It's if it's a classic, you got to pick it up, right? Yeah, I'm not reading so. Uh, and also, I just finished my MDiv, and I start my PhD next month, and so yeah. I have a, a free period. You do, right? So I want to take advantage of that free period, right? Because you're so, fi- you know, all that's fixed at the end. Because yeah, uh, yeah. when I work on my PhD, I'm not going to be saying, "Hey, I just read this novel." <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, for sure. Mm, all, all right, right. well, your, your list will be a lot longer. That's right. Reading <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Mm, goodness. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, well, Dr. Shaddix, we've really appreciated yeah, you having, for your having time. you on and and uh, the time that you've given us and the, and the wisdom that you've imparted. And so uh, we thank our listeners for uh, tuning in. And if you've liked our podcast, uh, please remember to like, rate, and review us. Give us a nice review. We, we've really enjoyed our dedicated listeners and their reviews, such as the one that said, I've heard worse content. Uh, so if you have if you have reviews like that, please send them in. We love those. So uh, please keep it up. Uh, but we will see you next time. And until then, keep loving your imperfect church. And remember, one day she will be perfected in glory.